Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. This is the weekly show where we talk about all things money and finance and where we give you information to help you make the best financial decisions possible. So if you want to buy your first home, you want to be better with money, you want to learn how to invest, where to begin, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe. I'm so thrilled to have you here. So without further ado, let's get going with this week's show. Good morning, good morning. How are you doing? So it is Monday. Um, I hope you had an amazing weekend. Uh, I've been so busy over the last week, certainly over this last weekend, that I'm sat here at the moment at 12, well, 11.31 on Sunday evening recording this episode for you. I need to be a little bit better with my time, to be honest. What I have found is that um, because YouTube is a thing now and the production over there is ratcheted up a little bit more, that in itself is a full-time job. Um, I've got coaching clients and other bits and pieces that I'm trying to do. I've got events that I'm organizing. I need to be a little bit better with my time. So on this week's show, you've, you're going to have me, um, and we're going to address um, a question that I got on Instagram this week. And there's been a lot of um, talk on the news about this being a possibility. It's something that I know that many people will be thinking about. Um, so I thought we'd cover this on this episode. Uh, this morning. Um, it is, it is episode number 45, which means we're only, only seven weeks to Christmas. Can you believe it? And um, yeah, this week, this year has been amazing, um, just in terms of the, the journey. And whilst we have been through a little bit of uh, turmoil with COVID and all this instability, all this uncertainty, I think it's really important sometimes that we actually take a step back and just, you know, be thankful for a few things. I just wanted to share a couple of things that I am very, very thankful for this year, despite the fact that, you know, it did end up with me being made redundant. And it's, and it's forced me to do this full time and try to build something of my own full time. And it has been eye opening. And yes, it is challenging. It is challenging. And, you know, having to make adjustments, financial adjustments at home, adjustments that before would have been very, very difficult. And I've had to make some very difficult financial decisions as well in terms of cash utilization and allocation of cash to certain things to get me in a position where I can do this properly. But I am thankful for everything that has happened so far this year. And I think, you know, if you have been through a difficult time, last week I spoke about, spoke about mental health and how it's important for us to, you know, surround ourselves with the right kind of people and censor the, the intake of information that we receive. So with that being said, you know, I am very, very thankful and cognizant that I want this podcast to be of positive uh, impact to people. And I'm very, very thankful for everything that's happened this year, despite the changes that it has forced in my personal life. And I encourage you to do the same thing. Well, you know, whilst, you know, there may have been some negative points, you know, take a minute or so just to think about the, the good things that have come off the back of it. Have you spent more time with family, deepened relationships, have better relationships with family? Have you come to realize what you really want to do? You had an epiphany. Have you really got to acknowledge and come to realization of what really matters to you? All those things are very positive things. And I think those are things that we should all be thankful for. Now, with that said and done, um, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, possibility of negative interest rates here in the UK. So the Bank of England wrote out to um, financial institutions last week and they are basically asking what their systems would be like. Would they be able to cope 
if they were to move to a negative interest rate. Now, this has never happened before here in the UK. It's been used in Europe and it's been used in places like Japan um, to great effect historically. But we've never been here before. We've never been in a situation where negative interest rates was even something or a discussion that would be tabled. But unfortunately, because of COVID and, you know, we haven't even talked about Brexit and the news that we're possibly going to be leaving uh, in the new year or December um, with no deal. So, you know, with everything that's gone on, this is now a very real possibility for people. So naturally, people are asking the questions, what does it mean for me? What do I need to do? How is it going to impact me? So I just wanted to cover this on the podcast this morning because I got a message on it on IG. And I'm sure that you are maybe thinking about it, or at least you may know someone who is thinking about it. Your mom, your dad, relatives, family, friends, uh, acquaintances. So if you do know anyone, please point them in the direction to this episode because it will be really, really helpful. I'm going to give you uh, my take, give you a few things to think about um, in the coming weeks. Um, depending on how this basically rolls out. So we've never had it here in the UK before, but I think circumstances have pushed us to this point. And to be honest, these kind of conversations, these kind of decisions are not taken lightly. I mean, when the guys at the uh, Monetary Policy Committee meet every month at the Bank of England, I doubt very, very much that they're rubbing their hands with glee at the prospect of a negative interest rate being introduced into the economy. I mean, definitely not. I mean, these guys are paid very, very well, and they're very, very talented and, and, and intellectual and, and, and experienced in, in this, but this is a this is a, a scenario where I certainly wouldn't want to be sat at that table discussing how they're going to implement this in order to stimulate the economy. And I, and, and I think it's really, really important from the outset to acknowledge that, you know, negative interest rates will be bad for some people, but it will be good for others. And there is an economic viewpoint to this. So typically, you know, low interest rates will generally, generally encourage borrowing. So it will encourage people to remortgage, to purchase houses, to purchase cars, to make purchases that they may have put off for a very, very long time because of high interest rates, i.e. increased payments. So, you know, think about it this way. If you went to go and look at a brand new car today, you would go to your dealership, and they would say, right, this is the uh, book price of the car. You want to finance it. This is how much it's going to cost. And this is how much it will be over a five-year term, for example, right? And within that cost will be an interest rate. Now, depending on how much you borrow, the interest rate will be lower because bigger amounts will run lower interest rates. And that interest rate will impact how much your monthly payment will be. Now, let's just say, for example, you were going to go buy an Audi and it was, I don't know, 50, 50 grand, for example. And you were offered a loan at 7.5%, right, under normal terms. But now, because interest rates potentially go into a negative territory, means that you could go and buy that same car at 3.5%, then all of a sudden, that purchase becomes a little bit more attractive to you because over the long term, it's costing you less money and your monthly payments are going to be less because you're not buying it at a rate of 7.5%. So negative interest rates can be used to stimulate the economy. And the idea is that, number one, people will make purchases on credit, using credit that they may have put off historically or may not have even thought about historically because it would have cost too much. So there's that possibility to boost borrowing as a result of negative interest rates. 
The other thing that negative interest, interest rates could also do is it could encourage people who may, for example, have uh, a load of money sat in a bank account to think otherwise about having it in a bank account. So, i.e., it may encourage spending, it may encourage investment into the stock market, into the bond market, for example. We talk a little bit about bonds and, and stuff like that a bit later on because. Negative interest rates are great for government bonds, government gilts. Um, down pro, downward pressure on interest rates potentially makes government gilts and government bonds very, very unattractive. So, you know, it may encourage you as, uh, as a saver to say, you know what, I'm not going to put uh, or leave my money in this current account where it's getting absolutely nothing. It may urge you and nudge you to think very, very seriously about deploying it maybe into the stock market or into some kind of other vehicle that could also benefit the economy. Some people may just decide, you know what, if I'm going to get nothing from it, even if I don't go and buy the said Audi for £50,000 on credit, I might just go and buy that cash because if your money isn't doing anything in the bank, you can get an Audi using that cash some people may be in a position where they'll do that. So there is an economic stimulus uh, agenda or angle to this as well. But again, like I said, there is uh, a world where this is really, really good for someone. And this is, there is a world where this is really, really bad for someone. So in what world would you exist for this to be a good thing? And I've kind of alluded a little bit to it. If you're looking to borrow money, Negative interest rates could be very, very good because lower interest rates means that you can acquire things at a cheaper cost, essentially. And so for house purchases, for financing that car, for personal loans, for example, these will be good things for you with lower interest rates, negative interest rates, potentially. And, you know, the bank rate has been low ever since 2007, 2008. So... Again, these decisions aren't made uh, lightly uh, at the Bank of England. And, you know, I, I feel sorry for, for savers who are the people in the other camp where this is really, really bad for you because you may have an account right now on a fixed rate getting 1.1%. I mean, the likelihood is now that, you know, you're going to see the savings rates drop even further. And there is this dreaded uh, notion that you may have to start to pay the banks to hold your money for you. Because look at it this way, if the banks, if it's costing the banks money to hold cash for you, then in some way, shape or form, they're going to have to recuperate that cost. And one of the ways that is being uh, speculated out there at the moment is that banks start to introduce fees for accounts to cover their cost. I was reading a piece uh, the other day um, where it was suggested that some banks may only do it for accounts where a substantial amount of money is being held. So if you hold a smaller amount of money in an account, there won't be any charges. But that is yet to be seen. It's yet to be borne out through the process. And that really is something that we're going to have to wait, uh, wait for and wait to see if it is introduced or not. But that is a real possibility that there may be some charges account charges uh, associated with savings accounts because the banks are not going to foot the bill for this. And for many people, that will mean, well, well, we'll raise the question at least of, 
well, I'll just take my money out of my account, put it in a shoebox and underneath the bed, which for many people may be a viable thing. However, it may not be the best thing. Imagine you have all your life savers in your house and your house burns down. You know, you do not want uh, the money in there. And there is also an element of, of risk to business. And, you know, banks, for example, could any of the banks fold as a result of this? I would like to think that they wouldn't. Because back in 2007, 2008, as a, as, a, as a result of what happened back then, a lot of banks have been, te- been stress-tested to ensure that they can survive these kind of, well, not exactly these kind of circumstances, but circumstances where there may be financial pressures. So I wouldn't imagine that any of the big banks go bust, but you can never say never. But even if that were to happen, I think consumers do have some comfort in knowing that you will be protected under the financial services compensation scheme. Now, the financial services compensation scheme is essentially a layer of protection uh, available to consumers who hold money with banks, investment houses, so on and so forth, to ensure that if the company were to disappear, go, go bankrupt, become insolvent, that you have a means to recover your money. Now, most banks, most investment houses, will give you the standard cover, which is up to £85,000. So that's a really nice bit of protection if you only have a limited amount of money uh, with organisations. If you have more than £85,000, then you need to carefully consider how you've placed your money with institutions. One thing that I know that people used to do in the past was if they had, say, £150,000, they would then split the money evenly across maybe two, three, four um, institutions so that they never reach that £85,000 protection cap, or at least match that £85,000 protection cap and know that they haven't got anything over that that they could potentially lose if the worst were to happen. So that you still have an element of protection. There may be some worries for... Uh, companies that have defined benefit pensions, for example, because oftentimes companies who who have defined benefit pensions will have uh, quite a bit of money in government bonds, government gilts. And like I said before, downward pressure on uh, interest rates make government government gilts a lot less attractive because the interest rates are much, much lower. So there is a potential risk there. I think these are all things that the Bank of England are going to be taking into consideration as to whether you know, the, the rates go to negative. And this, again, it's not a decision that is going to be taken lightly. But for you, if you've got money lying around, what do you need to do? What are the things that you need to know? I think the most important thing is to be prepared and to have a plan for your money. Um, that's the most important thing. I talk a lot about the basics here on the podcast and here on YouTube and on, and on YouTube. And the basics are very, very important right now. If you do have money lying around, you clearly need to have a silo for your cash. So you need to know how much you need in an emergency fund. That always needs to be accessible for you. So unfortunately, it may be a case that you have to bite the bullet with that. Taking it, the money out of the bank, put it in the house um, isn't a great move. If you've got a safe, maybe. Uh, it would be great to putting it into you know shoe boxes underneath the bed. Anything could happen, so you need to be a little bit careful. But having some basics in place is very, very important. So understanding you know your money in, your money out, understanding how much you're going to have in an emergency fund, that is absolutely crucial. 
and making sure that you've got some kind of even even if it's not rigid somewhat rigid some kind of loose financial plan in terms of what money you need available at any given time so that will give you an idea of right is there money that's left over that you can then allocate into something else and go shopping for things like fixed rate uh, bonds or fixed rate accounts right now now fixed rate accounts or fixed rate bonds as they are available right now if you get in and you lock it in for a year maybe two years then you should be okay however companies are allowed in some instances to change their interest rates mid-term so this is a solution but just know that sometimes the banks or the institutions can pull out that clause and change the interest rates if they need to. But getting into a fixed rate right now should give you some kind of security in knowing that you, you've at least got your money working a little bit. And I would really suggest that if you are going to be doing this, you need to look at this very, very promptly because the minute the news comes out that you know interest rates are going to be going to negative, I guarantee you right now that those products will become very, very scarce very, very quickly. And it is very, very likely as well that once the providers get an inkling that things may be going to a negative interest rate, that they may begin to pull some of those products or some of those offerings straight away anyway in anticipation for this coming in. So if you're in a position where you've got some cash lying around right now, I'm just going to reiterate those two points. Sit down with your finances, work out what you've got coming in, work out what you've got going out, make sure those numbers are, are, are up to date, they're valid and they're solid. So, you know, the easy way for you to do this will be not just to run a quick, you know, paper exercise of everything coming in, going out and, you know, just having a, a loose exercise. Sit down with your bank statement. Sit down with your bank statement, write everything down from the last six to 12 months, everything, and know, right, this is how much you actually have, because this is going to be key for the emergency fund. So your emergency fund is essentially a calculation of all your necessities, all your essential bills, everything that you have to pay for times by three, six, nine or 12, depending on how much of the emergency fund you basically want. So having an accurate idea of what you have going in and what you have coming out so that you can actually build a contingency is really, really important. Those numbers need to be up to date because the last thing you want to do is, you know, allocate some money into a fixed rate uh, account, for example. But in six months time before the term is up, realize that you then need to break that account. Now, oftentimes when you go into a fixed product or a fixed account, you're going to have penalties if you break the term of that account. So in some instances, uh, they would apply 90 day uh, penalty, interest penalty, right? With the interest rates being so low, that will definitely apply. You might even lose all of the interest. So you'll be asking yourself why you did it in the first place. So being really, really clear on what contingencies you need available and you know give yourself a little bit of room as well you don't know what's going to happen you don't know what's going to come up so try to be as thorough as you possibly can and give yourself a little bit of room with the emergency fund to make sure that you've got more than enough more than what you're going to need just in case something were to happen and then use whatever else you have into something like a fixed rate account a fixed rate bond of some kind uh, to place your money and hopefully get a little bit more of a, an interest rate that is more attractive than what might be coming down the track with negative interest rates. So guys, this is going to be really, really short and sweet. Um, it's one that I've been asked about 
And I know that it's been in the news and it may be on the lips of many people, on the minds of many people. So I thought I'd just give you my two cents. As always, please use this information as a basis for you to do further research. Those are my thoughts. Those are some of the things that I think that you can do right now. Certainly something that I'm going to be looking at myself um, in terms of how I'm going to move some money around. Um, but yeah, look, let's all be prepared. Let's all be mindful. Let's all be con- cognizant. You know, with these kind of things, if this is not your forte, if this is not something that naturally interests you, but you think it might impact you and you're not really too sure where to go, it's really important that you ask questions. I always say there is no such thing as a stupid question. And that is very, very true. You know, people work in finance um, and financial services for a reason. You know, I don't expect to be able to, you know, figure out how my battery works on my Tesla. You know, that's not my forte. I'm not an engineer in that ilk. So, you know, when I go to uh, Tesla and I have a problem with the car, I ask the question because it's not my area of expertise. The same thing applies here. Only money can be more acutely felt because guess what? We are emotive about our money and we have an emotional attachment to our money. So these are really important questions. Please don't feel you know as though you're stupid for asking a question. Absolutely not. Feel free to reach out on IG um, with any questions that you might have. And I will happily give you my two cents and give you some food for thought uh, for you to implement on your own journey. But guys, I appreciate you listening to this podcast. Um, this is like I said, episode 45. I can't believe it almost at the end of the year. It's crazy. And um, I'm looking forward to next year because the podcast is going to change slightly um, in terms of the themes. We're going to move to a season, seasonal uh, kind of uh, uh, program schedule. And, you know, it's going to be focused. I'm going to, at least going to try to make it focused. I've got a little bit of a plan right now. It's not finalized, but the shape of it will change. Maybe the feel of it will change as well. But as always, guys, I am so appreciative of you being here and showing the support and listening the podcast has grown and grown and grown this year. It's absolutely amazing. I get loads of messages on IG from you guys listening and and, and expressing gratitude for this and, and telling me to keep it up and keep going. And I'll tell you what, it makes it all the world worthwhile when I'm sat here recording the podcast at 10 minutes to midnight, um, having had very little sleep and knowing that I've got a full day tomorrow. Um, so your input is very, very much appreciated. I, I'm so thankful that you've been with me here on this journey this year it's certainly been eye-opening very very rewarding and i've been able to really build some great relationships with some of you guys as well so uh, look i love you guys thank you so much and as ever if you have any questions feel free to reach out but until next week have an amazing week and again please spread some positivity tell someone who inspires you that they inspire you i know that you guys inspire me to be better so enjoy your week catch you later